You are now listening to Out of the Blank. 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 Welcome to another episode of Out of the Blank Podcast. Now, we know about strange people and this weird world. Well, I got the other host of this podcast that's pretty awesome out there, and it's Anya DeWitt. Hello, everybody. So, Anya, tell me a little bit about yourself, obviously being the logical side of your podcast. So, a little bit about myself. Um, I am currently a full-time student, and... Between school, uh, washing dogs, and, you know, amongst my other art ha- uh, habits and hobbies, I actually do the Strange People Weird World with Greg, and then I also have my own podcast, which is the Enlightened Lounge. Now, so are, are the kind of your podcast topics kind of based on stuff you're learning about in school? Yeah, for the most part. For the Enlightened Lounge, that one, um, you know, I've just, I've been fed so much information that can truly propel and change and and pretty much anyone's life into the better direction. And as I've been just retaining this information, I wanted something like a platform that I could just share it with everybody. And uh, that kind of birthed the show. And so a lot of it comes from directly from my coursework and then my textbooks um, and then other resources that I get throughout class. And then just, of course, my own research. I've probably gotten more education, not from college, but on the concept. I used to do another podcast called Fill in the Blank, and I used to tell my guests, like, find a topic you're interested in, and uh, let's shoot the shit on it. You know, let's learn about it. So my buddy was like, let's learn about 19th century Victorian surgery. So. We did a podcast on Robert Liston, Joseph Lister, all these guys. And, you know, you did one um, on one of your most recent episodes with Strange People, Weird World, where it was um, talking about like the guy with the weirdest stomach. And like, you know, that's an actual thing, right, that I learned about. Um, It's called geophagia, people that eat trash. Geophagia. I did not know that was an actual. And I I learned all this because I would just randomly talk about specific topics. I became a human encyclopedia on sleep, government experiences, basically anything, Mm -hmm. uh, weird theories, philosophies. And that's why I try and stay as open-minded as possible in a conversation. And when I started, so geophagia is actually pretty common with people or women that are pregnant and um, they get cravings for things such as dirt weird metals and all these types of weird earthly cravings because when your body when you're going through pregnancy requires a certain amount of supplementation like an iron supplement or something and if you're not getting that through your diet you start to get weird cravings of dirt and there's a certain amount of mineral level of iron in the dirt so actually they would get craving for eating trash oh yeah and it's like geophagia is an actual thing it actually made me look up haitian mud cookies and Haitian mud cookies are 90% dirt, 5% butter, and 5% salt. And they use that to keep themselves from starvation because you just pack your stomach in there with all this food and it makes it feel full. So this is common in Haiti. And I was always like, is that, a, is that an actual thing or is this just some type of weird like thing someone put on the internet? And then I actually podcasted with a woman and talked with a woman that worked at my work. And um, she was from Haiti. And she goes, Haitian mud cookies are fucking awesome. I'm like, what? She goes, goes, my grandma has a best recipe. They taste just like snickerdoodles. And I'm like, "Uh, but you don't eat them now. You don't eat them now, right? Like you're in America. You can get a burger if you want. You can get food anywhere right now. And she goes, no, we have them on weekends. We order dirt. I'm like, order dirt. She goes, yeah, it's just clean dirt. I'm like, you understand what you're saying, clean dirt. She goes, you can order dirt that has a certain amount of mineral level and less contamination than dirt you would just pick up in your yard. And I'm like, oh, and I'm like, if you bring me in one of these cookies, I will try one. And I I can't judge it unless I've tried it. So she brought it in. It tasted really good. You know, that actually kind of sparked a light bulb in me. And I think I might uh, order some dirt and make some Haitian cookies. Cause I definitely think you should get your grandma, her grandma's recipe first, because I don't think if I did that, I would be able to cook it properly. I don't even know how to cook a hot pocket properly. <laughs> 
Yeah, cooking thankfully comes very easily to me, but baking, on the other hand, oh lord, I just that's a stay process away from that. and a half. You have to be exactly. quiet if you make too much like noise or something. Your oven, like uh, the the whatever the bakery thing, the souffle, whatever the hell you're cooking out of it, can like drop because of a certain mm-hmm. noise. And I'm like, it's such a tasking process. And then also the thing with baking that I just can't handle is the fact that you have to wait for the product to be finished. And then 90% of the time when it's done, you have to wait even longer. And I just, I can't do that. <laughs> Look, I'll admit I'm 21 years old. I don't know how to use the stove. Um, I just, I've never needed anything to use the stove to. So I just never even bothered it. So I, when it comes to people that cook a turkey for like a day and a half in the oven i always have shrimp on thanksgiving i always have things quick readily eat something you know i'm not the type of guy when i get hungry i eat i want to eat now i don't want to wait i don't want to cook something and wait for it to be processed it's too long i want to get it over with and you know move on with my day so i me both so it's always like a salad prep it next thing i know bam throw a can of tuna on top of it i'm good to go yeah i uh i I try to live vicariously through those who can actually like properly wait for things to be done just because, I mean, I also, our society has kind of conditioned us to when we want something, we want it now. And uh, just trying to learn that balance is quite the task. There's actually a weird diet that this um, famous actress was on. I forgot her name, but she would be able to not eat the foods that you know how you get cravings for like pizza if you don't have it for a while there's people that like known to binge out on pizza when they haven't had it forever Mm -hmm. well she would get the feeling and this necessity of eating food by just smelling it or watching someone enjoy it oh wow it was a type of dieting fad that was pretty popular you're not eating food but if you watch someone enjoy it you try and put yourselves in their position like oh that pizza i know what it tastes like Mm, yeah i mean what were you gonna say no i'll say that's like a weird concept it is but so actually so that what i'm going to school for is integrative medicine and integrative medicine looks at the mind and the body as one and so i've been diving more deeper into like the biological uh, mechanisms of the body and why we do certain things and it's quite interesting to see that the mind cannot actually differentiate between what is happening and what's not. And so if you're able to just kind of watch that, I mean, if you close your eyes, you smell it and you're visualizing it and you're going through that mindful process of just like imagining and visualizing eating that pizza, your body will think that you just ate a whole pizza. Well, so this is actually a good uh, topic for us because I actually went to school for psychology. So I was more obsessed with the chemical alliance in your person's brain and their kind of environmental influences in a way and kind of seeing how the mind is so effectful. But you're into the biological aspect about humans. Now, are you going for school for this? Is this something that you're trying to get your degree in? Yeah. So actually, I am currently a junior right now, um, and I have about a year, year and a half left before I get my degree in integrative medicine and then the minor in lifestyle medicine. And then uh, after that, I want to go to graduate school and then ultimately get my doctorates. And I do want to go back and honestly focus a little bit more on like biology and then even dip into psychology because it's just also intercorrelated and the way that the human body reacts and works is just so fascinating. Yeah. So many chemical processes that go on, like why people get it. Like, so I started off doing chemical dependency because there was a giant opioid addiction happening. And I realized like it's a, it's a terrible thing. And I wanted to figure out why the brain was getting hooked onto something. And it's, you can get addicted to anything. It's why people have food addictions. Because they look for that dopamine response that you would get from food. Um, You're seeing dopamine get released nowadays from your cell phone. Um, Mm -hmm. It's this type of, um, this emotional stimulant. And it's, it, it always brought up this weird aspect of like, people's minds like the honestly the worst part about going into psychology was once i took that class i immediately start diagnosing people as i'm talking to them exactly Um, you can't see people for just people anymore you start to break them down you're like hmm and you're like oh my god stop well it's been a benefit but it's also pretty detrimental like obviously like what's common with people that go into the school of psychology and want to be a therapist is because they suffer from a mental infliction themselves um, I think we all suffer from something like I had a, I have ADHD, but at the same time, I also have a bit of a, 
hyper gymnasium and a body dysmorphic type thing when it comes to going to the gym. I've done it every day for going on seven years now. I go on Christmas, go on my birthday. I always go. There's no not going. So I don't feel complete without it. So learning that and being able to relate to someone that was transgender, where they looked in the mirror and didn't like what they saw, I realized we're all kind of crippled in our own unique way. We all have a problem that we're still trying to build up upon it or we gloss it over. Yes. So, so talking about these types of things, I started being able to kind of realize a little bit more about people. Like when I would see a person in a store yell at someone in front of them for having 13 items in the 12 item or less, I don't look at that guy as an asshole. I look at him as, oh, I bet you have something going on in your life. I bet you have something that you're trying to cope with. You're getting overwhelmed. See, the problem is Nobody thinks about maybe that guy has something going on. Maybe he just broke up with his girlfriend. Maybe he just lost a divorce or maybe he just, you know, something happened there. So I always keep that in the back of my mind. And that's how it kind of keeps me leveled. And I, I realize no, nobody in this world is problem solving effectively. Um, we're putting our reliance in social media, which is a faulty thing. Not mm -hmm. that social media is known to have faults, which it does, but people are known to be faulty. You start to look up to celebrities as your heroes, and then you get really upset when you find something else bad about them, like something gets highlighted in TMZ. And I always chalk up this, they're people. You're giving them godlike uh, statuesque. Yeah. You're giving them these personas that are not meant for people. We, we all have flaws. We all have something about them. Johnny Depp buys has 46 houses basically. And they're all like worth billions of dollars and he doesn't live in them and he doesn't rent them out. He just owns them. And they're like, stop buying houses. He's like, no. So like, he's, you're going to see pirates of the Caribbean 56. It's going <laughs> to happen. And it's, but it's, we all have something about us. Like people that come from not having money, they end up, when they do get money, they end up always either saving it or spending it. It's really mm -hmm. weird to see where people take their turns in life. Whether I always use the example, you take two people, um, identical twins, exactly the same in genetics, but you put them in two different lifestyles. You put one in a rich household where everything's given to him. He could turn into an asshole or he can turn into a really good person. Or you take the bad kid, throw him in a bad lifestyle where the norm would be he would adopt his environmental influences and turn into a bad person. Or he could learn from those mistakes and turn into a good person. And see, I agree with that completely because as humans, we we experience so many different things and we're so quick to just push it off. And when something bad happens, we just, we accept that negative experience and we're like, well, this is what happened to me. And you blame the event and you allow that event to then transcend into like, you know, either wreaking havoc within your own life or within your mind. And as humans, we need to start stepping up to the plate and acknowledging the fact that it's our reaction. It's the way that we process these events and then, you know, go and act towards it that actually matter and shape us into who we are. So I actually grew up in a very, very, very rough childhood. Um, I actually didn't have a working sewer for about two and a half years. And from the area environment that I was in, if I would have allowed all of those hardships and challenges to define me, I wouldn't be where I am today. But because at a very young age, I've always been very mindful about the way I go about things, I've kind of allowed those challenges to build me into this like indestructible like warrior in a sense. Yeah, like I started doing a lot of research heavily into sleep because my buddy sleeps with his eyes open. So I always thought that was really strange. And I, honestly, I have the biggest problems with sleep because I'm an insomniac. But I realized I have ADHD at such a level that I'm constantly when I might be uh, fatigued one minute, I have energy the next. I can drink a pot of coffee and still go right to bed afterwards. That caffeine just has no stimulant onto my body because my body's already at a natural level of just kind of hyperized. It's, it doesn't need any more awakening. Caffeine just has no stimulant on me for some reason. And I, I always thought that was fascinating where it was something in my body. And I realized when I started looking more into my sleep, I, I decided to get my serotonin levels tested. So I got my serotonin levels tested and there's not 
any serotonin that really reaches my brain to the appropriate level where it would produce sleep. It just gives me random waves of fatigue throughout the day after experiencing days of no sleep. I mean, it makes me a great podcaster because I'll be up at one o'clock in the morning talking to a person in the UK. <laughs> and it's it, it it's definitely a benefit. At least I use it in a benefit instead of just being on my phone playing mindless video games or just shopping on Amazon at two o'clock in the morning when that's your probably your worst purchases ever. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's it's crazy to see how many factors link up to it. Like a giant part of your overall well being, whether it's physical or just mental, can all be linked down to nutrition as well. Mm-hmm. Nutrition, sleep. I mean people a lot of people don't realize that your wellness and your health, it's more than just this like pillar it's this building that is constructed of seven different pillars. And if one of those pillars starts to crumble, what's going to happen to the infrastructure? It's going to end up toppling down. And I think for so long that we've just been, you know, we've been kind of taught that we have no power over our own health, that we can make tiny steps, but ultimately we have to go to doctors and they're the ones that keep us healthy and keep us well. And it's that ideology that's crumbling humans honestly well we can't put our like people you know you see a doctor it's just like putting your kind of faith in a celebrity you're putting your faith in someone that just wears a white lab coat where mm-hmm. like for me the education system never gave me a shot i had adhd at the time where adhd wasn't a major thing it wasn't a giant influence like it is nowadays where you see more kids having it more kids suffering from anxiety and depression because social media is such a big factor but where the school was like, he needs to be medicated. He needs to be put in a separate room. He needs to be put in a special class and everything. My parents like, he'll grow out of it. He'll learn to adapt with it. And I had teachers, very few, some, one that was on my podcast, uh, my New Year's Day podcast. She gave me this mug that I'm holding in my hand. Oh, that's awesome. You know, she was telling me, she was like, you had a lot of energy. I knew that you had ADHD and it was just easy to know that when you were drumming on the desk, I could put eraser caps on your pencils and you would be able to drum in fun. I also chose that if you went out to recess and, you know, you weren't able to get your full energy out, I would ask you to, you know, help clean up a little bit in the yard, like bring all the toys back in. So, you know, it got your energy out. And this is around third grade and it was good things because then I was focused in class and I wasn't just getting up multiple times to sharpen my pencil. And it was always weird because people were like, can you stop, can you stop tapping? I'm like, I, I, I physically can't. As I'm talking to you right now, I'm thinking about so many millions of things going on in my mind. And it's, it's, it's been something that makes it difficult, but it makes it awesome when I just have conversations with people because my brain goes anywhere. You know, I'm always at thinking questions, different alternate scenarios. And when I was talking to her about like, why do you think the education system gave up on me? And she goes, it's amazing to see where it's at now. She talks about um, how they're now looking at nutrition instead of looking at a pill to put in your mouth and be able to swallow. And the next, you know, it goes away. She started talking about how instead of giving the kid chocolate milk at lunch, where it's going to give him even more energy, let's focus on giving him a vegetable and maybe like a side juice or something. Exactly. Because in that way, I mean, you're going down to the deeper that that's like, that's a big issue with our Western society and Western healthcare. It's that we view whenever there's an issue with the, with the human body, that it's a, that we're just going directly to that, like that, to the issue and we're treating that issue. But yet by treating the issue, we're not realizing that we're ignoring everything else that correlated up to it. And so it's just going to have a spinoff effect onto so many other ailments. And it's it like the whole give a pill and it'll be better thing. It, oh, it infuriates me. Well, I podcasted about the immortality. So my buddy's all into like these mythical things like the fountain of youth. So I started, I started looking up topics on immortality, Dracula, all these things and all the things you can kind of get into when it comes to the concept of immortality. But I was like, we're doing the most modernized version of it. We're taking supplements to extend our life period. We're using things such as like your hair starts falling out. You start taking a supplement for it. that's going to regrow those hair cells. I think that's awesome that uh, science has gotten to that point. But I also think it's like it's using a Band-Aid on a problem that is not supposed to need a Band-Aid. You're just you're covering you're putting a Band-Aid on crack cement. You need to fill (laughs) in those cracks. You know what I mean? I don't I, I think it's really weird like. 
when it comes to like schizophrenia, all these mental disorders, and then all they have is ECT to be able to fix that. I don't know if you know what ECT is. Um, I don't. It's you would know that a long term name of it is electrocompulsive therapy. Mm. So you're doing shocks to your brain. That's the only way we have nowadays to fix schizophrenia. And it, it's so crazy too, because a lot of the, so I am a, I'm a very spiritual person. I believe in a lot of different things. Actually, everything that I've experienced up until this point has changed my perspective to not disregard anything until it's been absolutely proven that it, you can't explore like that, you know, that it's not true. And what I've found is a lot, a lot of these individuals who are being, you know, diagnosed with these crazy mental disorders, they're actually beyond brilliant. And a lot of the times, the way that we go about in, like, how do I say this? Uh, so I'm very connected to like my spirit guides and angels, I believe in guardian angels and all of that jazz. And uh, I talk to them sometimes and I, I will hear it. And now if I were to go to a primary care and say, say this, they would literally look at me and say, you're crazy. You're hearing voices. You need to take this pill See, rather than that's, that's the problem. A lot of people have this one-sided view that if there's no scientific evidence behind it, then it can't be real. Let me tell you, I used to think that my aunt who's on my podcast was actually a spiritualist. And she told me like, you know, she was telling me how she goes out onto the beach every morning with her wands and these types of meditation things that gets her into a sense of relaxation, becoming once connected with the earth and all these spirits. Like she lights candles for dead ancestors and types of stuff you would see in more of a Latino heritage. Um, and I was like, I, I can't knock it unless I try it. So I went onto the beach with her. I made my own wand. I did, I did all the, the whole concept and I get it. I tell people I get it. I think that's when I really started changing my perspective on things. I started diving into everything when it comes to religion, when it comes to every. I wanted to know as much as possible and never close my off to, close my eyes off to any options. I have family that does psychic healing, Reiki energy healing, that whole concept with energies. I can believe in it, but I don't. But I I, I tell it, it's just not for me. It's not that I don't think it's a real thing. I just, for me, that's not what I need at least, but I understand why people go to that. We all give off an energy for sure. Yeah. Um, and, uh, like, I don't, I don't know if you know a whole thing about like empathy and all these people that are known to have empathic abilities. Now I've podcasted with people that believe in psychic abilities. And like I said, I'm open to all realms of interpretation because I've been able to do stuff I can't explain. I've had family members that can see ghosts. I've had family members. My mom had this really crazy experience when I was six years old, being able to find a girl that had died and they had to locate the girl's body. They were looking for a body at this point. And uh, my mom had a dream of where the girl's location was. The girl came to her and apparently said, tell my parents where to find my body. My mom went to my dad and my dad does not believe in any of this stuff. Um, and she said, call this in this location right now. That's where the girl is buried or that's where the girl is. And next thing you know, my dad's like, all right, whatever. And my mom was just so freaked out. My dad called, then hung up. Next thing you know, they found the girl at that exact spot. And I was See? like, ah, that's, it's, there's something there. I, I can't, I can't close it off. No. And it's great that you have that perspective on it. So actually, uh, funny, I am a Reiki master. I am trained all the way up until the third degree. So I'm one step down from being able to attune others into it. Oh, and, my mom has that one. Oh, see, and that's like, it's the next step for me, but I just have to, unfortunately my Reiki master, she moved to a different state and just, I haven't had the time to go out there. Uh, but the way that my brain works, so before I found myself in the integrative medical field, I was going to school for journalism. So my brain, I'm very balanced with between the left and the right. I need science, I need evidence to believe in things. I'm very like, I've never, I've never clung to religion because I've always had questions that have never been answered. And as I go older, I started to just discover different topics within myself and the universe and all these different religions. And I started to find those answers that I couldn't find in the one religion. And it led me into discovering Reiki and I started to practice Reiki. And then as I got older, I then switched into integrative medicine. And then from there, I learned about quantum physics. And quantum physics is absolutely fascinating because when you dive into it, it actually 
goes and it has a scientific base for Reiki to pretty much be presented on. And I mean, of course, you know, the evidence is not fully structured at this point. Like it's very scarce, but it's just because science is ever changing. Science is always evolving. And so when people say like, well, you know, that doesn't have, or it's not scientifically proven. It's like, we'll give it 10 years and it could be scientifically yeah, proven. Like anything positive been, psychology. Anything we're following by 10 years from now is different from what we're following by today. Uh, it's like the sugar industry saying that fat was the bad thing. If you eat fat, you're going to be fat. It was a whole ploy by the sugar industry mm-hmm. to kind of hide the fact that if you eat too much bad sugar, it's going to add on to fat onto your body. And then that ends up coming off. We're like, wait a minute. So now we've been lied to all this time. The problem is there's always new evidence coming out. Exactly. And I've had clients who, you know, they've told me like, oh, I didn't experience much, but that was the deepest sleep I've ever been into. Like I've never been able to get into a meditative state and you did that. And for an undergrad project I did um, actually two semesters ago, it was on the healing benefits of meditation and how meditation can actually help reverse and also not fully cure, but prevent a lot of major ailments like cardiac cardiovascular disease. And by being able to get Reiki clients into that state, I'm allowing their body to return to this homeostasis balance to where they're able to like their body's able to, you know, kick into overdrive and start healing cells that have been damaged from being in this just like chronic state of stress. See, now this is where, this is where we're going to have a good topic here because a lot of people you would say that to, they would think you're batshit nuts. And for me, (laughs) I would explain to them, how is that nuts when the Chinese have been practicing astral projection for so long? I learned through my other podcast about one aeronautics, which is basically inception, people that would go into your dreams and prevent you from having these types of things. My buddy that was experiencing heavily a lot of nightmares. He would, uh, I told him, I started researching about this thing that he was experiencing was a problem. And I told him like, do me a favor, Next time you have one of these dreams, wake up and write something down in the journal, write every major thing you can think of that happened in that nightmare. And then we worked on ways that for him in his dream to prevent that from happening, realizing you're in a dream where you can do this type of um, uh, translucent dreaming or lucid dreaming where you can kind Mm -hmm. of be able to do whatever you want and change the scenario or realize your outcome in the dream and just be fault with it. If you're on a ship that's sinking and there's sharks in the water, realize it's going to happen you know, and then next thing you know, it's gone, it will never pop up again. And I I started realizing that there's so many mental things going on in our heads right now that all play into our physical well being. How many times nowadays do people have a really shitty day and they don't feel like going out into the world anymore? It's because you cannot chalk off that your mental health is not part of your physical health too. Thank you. Ah, so my biggest thing is because the lack of connection between the mind and the body, the the I love metaphors. They are the way that I am able to connect to so many different people on the topics that people would think I'm batshit crazy about. And my best metaphor when it comes to the separation of the mind and the body is think about your car. Can your car run without its engine? No, it can't. It'll just sit there and it'll just be a waste. Now your body is the same way. Your body cannot function without your mind. Your mind is your engine. If you don't take care of that, you're going to mess up your car. You're going to end up having to go to the mechanic, AKA the doctor. It's going to cost you huge amounts. And unfortunately like cars, you can't get a new one. You know, like the body, you can't just get a new body. You're going to have to, you're going to have to suck it up with your broken down beater. (laughs) So I always, like I said, I'm open-minded as possible. Me, I'm not a fan of Reiki energy healing only because every time my mom tries to do it on me and she knows I'm not a giant big guy into this, she always does it at the worst times. Like when I'm cooking dinner and she just comes in and I'm like, usually I'm, I'm hungry at that moment. So I'm trying to make food as fast as possible. So she'll come in and try and put her hands on me. I'm like, stop, stop, stop. What what are you doing? She's like, I'm trying to calm your energies. I'm like, you're honestly just making me more upset. Like, but I see where it works though. See, the problem is it's your creative created energy system. So what Mm -hmm. the type of thing with empathic abilities I was talking about is you're noticing it's a sense of empathy, being able to care for someone on 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 another level. It's about like, you know, dogs express heavily in empathy. They're able to look at you and truly care about you and obviously be able to at your beck and call. But 
for me experiencing empathy, it gets difficult. I'll walk by people and I'll, I'll get like this energy on me. I'm like, Whoa, like that person is not a good dude. Like at all. Like he's done some bad stuff. And I always, this is what makes like someone always comes to me asking for advice on a person. Like I've never met this guy. Is he a good dude? I'm like, I wouldn't put the faith in the cards on it. I wouldn't do it. He doesn't seem like a, a very reliable source. Next thing I know, they don't take my advice. They'd make which humans tend to do they need to figure it out for themselves <laughs> and they end up like you were right the whole time I was like I know but you're you have your own keys to your car to drive it I can't I'm just the GPS that could tell you where to go but you can choose to listen to me or choose not to and when it comes to like incense honestly when something says like oh it's supposed to be calm and meditative it just smells like I don't know, ass and farts to me, but I mean, <laughs> I think it, it plays in a whole, whole different ploy. Like I talked to someone who, who's in, um, in Germany, who's doing like, he does a DJ gig, but at the same time, he's a professional acupuncture person. So mm. I was asking him all the questions. He goes, you don't know the tension and relief you can get mentally and then physically from your body by applying a certain needle to a certain point in your body and overall stasis. And I say, you were talking about religion earlier where you're not, you know, it's, it's weird to think that all these things kind of think along the same basis. I use this theory and stick with me on it, that we're all, when it comes to religion, everybody's got a piece of the big picture. We all hit mm -hmm. the same. If you do good things, you go to a good place. If you do bad things, you go to a bad place. So once I started thinking of this, like we all got a little puzzle piece to this giant puzzle, it opened up my mind like why are we going to close ourselves off to all these religions i became an ordained minister under the united church of bacon i decided to dive into pastafarianism every single concept of parody religions everything because i realized just because it's not something i might believe in i can't close it off from it being something that someone else believes in Exactly. And it's actually funny that you bring up religion and how, you know, we're all carrying a little piece of the bigger picture. Um, because so when I was growing up, my mom's from Germany, she moved to America, and we went through a lot of like turbulent times. And she ended up falling into the hands of the Christian church. And she forced me to get baptized. I mean, it was every single weekend, it was like, you have to go to church. And I started to grow this resentment towards it. And as I got older, I started to say that I was atheist. I had no belief in anything and I had a really, really dark spot. And out of the blue, that was where I got introduced to Reiki. And then, I mean, a couple of years down the line, I'm at where I'm at now with my beliefs. But along the way, I was just curious. I was like, well, okay, there's so many different religions. Like there has to be something similar to all of it. And what's fascinating with religion is if you align all of them up down this long corridor. And if you peel back all of the fancy words and terminology that each person has given to like one of those uh, figures in that religion, it is all the same story at the base. And what's the craziest thing about that is it's all based off the stars. So just to give you like a really quick example, on the 24th of December, the sun does this really insane thing where it stops moving for an entire day. And then on the 25th, it rises up. Now, what is said in Christianity and biggest thing on the 24th or on the, on the 25th, the sun rises. And on the 25th, the sun actually rises up rather than it completes another circulation around the globe. And so when you peel it back, all of the religions are honestly, they're all same. They're all based off the stars. And I mean, we're all compromised of similar matter which is found within the stars i mean i think 96 percent of our body is formed of um like star matter and carbon yeah i mean the most i, I like i tell people like i've podcasted with people that are from like diving into astrophysics trying to be an astrophysicist and they start talking about the stars and like i said I understand which is why I don't close my mind off to anything. I'm open to all realms of interpretation. Do I want to think that when I die, there's something else out there? That would be awesome because I don't want to think I just die. But do I know if it's a ghost plane? Do I know if it's a spiritual existence? Do I know if there's a heaven or is it Morgan Freeman sitting on a golden throne where I just go, <laughs> I fucking knew you were God, man. And he goes, yeah, I, I said it in multiple movies. I don't know. Because no one ever took me serious. Yeah. You know, like he's the one guy I think he could probably convince you to kill your whole family slowly with a butter knife just by talking to you. And it, it's it's crazy because 
I, I, when people get so closed minded at so many things, I say, but why live like that when there's so much out there that you could just listen to, not saying you have to agree to it, but just op- be open to understanding it. And yeah. I, that's, that's why I keep all realms of possibility open, which, you know, my buddy's fascinated about dreaming. So I had this theory on REM sleep. So REM sleep is like your body's real state of like, overall rest um it's usually the time you experience you know what a hypnic jerk is mm-hmm. so a hypnic jerk when you're sleeping you basically feel like you're falling and your body wakes yourself up so that's actually from your heart rate reaching such a low level in your third cycle of REM sleep that your brain thinks you're dying so it's like you're getting defibrillated it's like you it was shocks you up like that because it's your body like oh shit like Oh, your heart rate drops so low. I thought you were dead. And um, so it's like an active response that your brain does. And I started, I started reading that. I was like, so rapid eye movement, while your eyes are closed, your eyes are searching under your eyelids. Maybe, and I, at the same time, I was also doing a podcast about um, the B string theory, which is like alternate universes and stuff. I was like, stick with me. I'm not saying I believe in it, but I'm saying it's a cool concept. Imagine if in your REM sleep, your eyes are searching for a kind of like a doorway to go into a different, another type of alternate universe. Okay. So like, that's what your dream would be. It would be just be a slip into a reality, much like a movie. You're just slipping into a movie. So when your body does the hypnic jerk or when it falls and feels like it's fell out of something, it was your spirit or whatever falling back into your body. And I brought up that concept and my buddy was like, that's a good way of thinking of it. Now that was a quick, fast kind of inner Reducing part to that theory, but it went long and extensively into it that I kept crafting out. I was like, if I can think of that and that can have credit to it, then why am I going to discredit anything ever? Mm-hmm. And it's when you adopt that mindset of being open to all possibilities that you you dive into this magical world that is our reality. And I think so many people like magic. I am. I'm a strong believer in magic. Um, And whenever I talk about it to people, they always chuckle at me. Like, I believe in fairies. I believe in dragon. I believe in alternate universes and parallel planes. No, you believe in what the adopted term for it now magic would be called, would be psychic abilities. Because I started, so I, I used to actually get really interested in my first video games I ever played was like Skyrim, Oblivion, all these old style. Oh my God, Skyrim was my favorite. (laughs) Exactly. And Oblivion was my first. So they had, a better thing with magic on there. I always like being like the mage and stuff. I actually think LARPing would be pretty cool. Um, just because you get to hit people with foam swords and stuff. Like I've been trying to set up a LARP session. Let's do it. We'll just go to Greg's house and beat the crap out of him. Oh (laughs) my God. This is awesome. (laughs) But like I, I started researching. This made me learn about the Salem witch trials and started to do research in this and witchcraft has been a common thing. Usually it's using that art of conjuration and summoning demons and demonic possessions that all kind of lead on the same concept there but like conjuration being able to summon something that is known as magic but there's also a thing known as clairvoyance in this mm-hmm. in the realm of mysticism when it comes to being able to see your goals or light the path in a way that was a common thing ability trait in oblivion and skyrim being able to light your goal to where you're located it basically puts you on target to what your quest is and i started researching into that and then i found out that's linked with and that's that's linked with psychic abilities where a woman was like i'm known to be clairvoyant and i was talking to her Her name's renee odell hurt and she goes i believe that all people have a psychic ability a part of them and i'm like what do you mean our sixth sense and she goes yeah but it lies so dormant most people are in touch with their overall connection in their body this way and Mm -hmm. that's when i say there's an overall energy that all people have. We give off an energy, whether it's a bad one or we give off a good energy, depending on the mood we've been. I'm pretty sure we've all experienced the person that's known as a wet towel, where you talk to them and you're like, shit, like I'm drained for the day. Like yeah. <laughs> being at, like, like my schoolwork, I would be doing at like four o'clock in the morning because I don't ever get sleep. So I was taking a class load of like six or seven classes um, just to be able, cause I, Hey, I was up anyway, might as well do homework or something. So I would in psychology, they had these mental health disorder videos that you would have to watch. I would watch a kid 15 years old, struggling with schizophrenia who thought King Tut was outside of his house trying to kill him. 
And that that might be funny to hear, but watching this kid suffer from this for an hour video. That's um, heartbreaking. After, uh, let's say, three hours later, 7 a.m., I walk down the stairs. My mom's like, good morning. How's your day going? I'm like, um, can nobody talk to me for the rest of the day? I'm just going to go upstairs and lie down. And it was because I was getting so overworked and so overloaded with just another person's emotional stress and problems that were inflicting onto my own head because I had so much things running around about it. And I'm like, we're all experiencing each other's environmental energy that we throw out here. Whether it's like, if you're in a bad environment, if you're in a terrible job and you think like, uh, you know, you go home after a hard day and you just want to go upstairs and lie down and don't want to hang out, you cancel your plans or something. It's because you're experiencing a heavy amount of overall stress from the day that plays a toll on your body. You start to feel tired you feel exhausted. When you get overly stressed, you put on weight because your body's not able to deal with its proper processes, right? Like metabolism and all these wonderful things that it has going on for it. And I chalk up the example. We rely too much with fake connectivity in social media, that like, that acceptance from everyone that gives us that response. Like, yes, we all have a social skill. But we're putting our reliance of that social skill into something that's false. It's what we're displaying on Instagram and Snapchat. And that's why you're seeing kids suffer from depression and anxiety at such a young age because they're not getting that five likes anymore. They're only getting three likes or two likes. It's not the connectivity you used to have with someone that was close to you, like a family member or a friend. People have been kind people have become so disconnected from within their truest self. And uh, it's what blows my mind is like Einstein, his theory of relativity. We are all just living in one big giant spider web. So if something happens to you, it's going to have like an effect, it's going to have a ripple effect. And so when it comes down to energy, I mean, you go into a room and you know, someone's in a bad mood, naturally, you're going to start to take on that. And as a little girl, so I'm actually very empathetic um, as a little girl, I never really understood why I would become overwhelmed very quickly. I'd be drained in social settings. Um, you know, I would just always take on everybody else's energy. And as I got older and I started to d- dive more into the subjects pertaining and around um, empath- empathetic kind of skills and connections, I realized like, oh shit, I need to start putting on like, like almost like a force field, like a shield around me. And once I did that, I noticed a huge improvement within my life. And uh, it's funny that you said earlier how dogs can pick that up. My daytime job, I'm actually, I bathe dogs. And every single dog that I get, I, it's, it's the weirdest thing. Like people at my work, they always call me the dog whisperer because I'm able to connect with dogs on a deeper level than most people are. And by the end of it, most dogs are like clinging to me and they don't want to go back to their owners. And it's just that sense of being able to tune into another person's, you know, their frequency. You're able to look past just this meat bag that they're carrying around. You're able to look at to their soul, the actual thing that's making them thumb. We'll see, like my mom's a big believer of psychic abilities because she used to watch the show Ghost Whisperer. And she, like I said, she's kind of been able to do stuff you can't explain and um, like see ghosts and be able to help spirits and all these types of things. Now, that sounds ridiculous explaining it, but I've had stuff in my own life I couldn't explain. She remembered when I was like four or something years old where uh, she talked to the guy that actually created the show Ghost Whisperer who writes books on psychic abilities and has known to be like a powerful psychic. So I I don't know if I believe in that. Like I said, it's all hearsay. I got to kind of see it. We're we're more of a society of evidence is believing Mm -hmm. Um, except when it comes to religion, you know, having blind faith or something that knowing something's out there, which I can agree with because I've seen it help people. I've seen it help them. It's just not for me. Um, like it's, I don't know yet. Like I said, it'd be cool to be proven wrong or proven, you know, like that, you know, here's what's actually out there. But when she talked to him, she went to go bring my name up and my mom's like, I have this kid. Um, or I have this son, uh, he has these weird thing about him where he's able to say, and he goes, is his name Robbie? Like my mom hadn't even mentioned my name and she lives religiously by this story. And I've asked her years and years about it and she never changed it. It's always the same thing. She goes, is his name Robbie? And my mom said, how do you know that? And it, the guy that made the show Ghost Whisperer says he's going to be a powerful psychic one day. And that's when my mom started looking at me at such a young age with like, she knew something about me. So she would ask me weird questions. And I'm like, it happened to me like last year, I had a really, really strange dream. 
And I went downstairs like I just had this weird dream. There was this dude lying in this gutter and it was like near a body of water. And like she was like, can you do me a favor? And I said, what's up? She goes, can you look at this photo and tell me if this is the guy that you saw? And she showed me a picture and I was like, yeah, that's him. How'd you know? And she goes, can you tell me exactly where you saw him? And I described this to her and she goes, well, he's been missing for um, a couple of days now and they're looking for a body. So I, I need to, I, I thank you for this. I'm going to actually let a couple of people know. And so she let a couple of people know and they found the dude's body exactly where I described. And I was like, is that a coincidence? I don't yeah. know. Is that a thing? I don't know. I yeah. have no freaking clue what the <laughs> hell happened, but she's always had this story that she used to tell me all the time and how we used to work at, um, well, she used to work at a hotel and it was like an old style built in like 1894 style, um, hotel. So I remember being a kid staying home, you know, sick, you know, with the quotes in there, sick, you know, definitely not. <laughs> and no. I would be at the hotel and I, I remember this housekeeper that came by and I, she was like, how you doing, sweetie? I was like, oh, I'm just staying home sick from school. I'm watching Scooby-Doo on the television in here. It's like an old style hotel. So it's all old ass furniture. And she was wearing this old kind of style made clothing. Not like the one you see in porn, but the one you would see like, you know, back in the day in like old style hotels, like a retro diner type thing. Mm -hmm. and I was like, so I was like, yeah, I'm just watching cartoons, Scooby-Doo, you know, Earth, Wind, Fire and all this stuff. Uh, and like, she was like, okay. She goes, well, do you need anything? Can I get you something? And I was like, no, I was like, my mom's downstairs. I'm not supposed to be bothering anybody, but you know, if I, if um, I need food or if I need something, I'll make sure I'll give you, you know, a little call or something. She goes, okay, sweetie. And it was an African-American woman. She walked away and I went to go look back out the door after like waiting a couple like seconds for her to kind of get down the hall or something. And there was nobody there. And I was like, okay. So I ran down the steps, told my mom and my mom and my aunt are just staring at me with this gasping look on their face. And I'm like, what? And they're like, there's nobody here, but us right now. There is nobody in this whole hotel. And I'm like, excuse me. She's like, yeah, we're just, <laughs> we're just running the chefs. You know, Dave's in the back cooking. Like that's, you know, Dave, he's back and he's the chef. He's the only one on staff besides us. And I'm like, what happened? They're like, they, they just, they couldn't even explain it to me. I didn't know. I thought they were messing with me. So I went back upstairs and then, you know, I, after I really told them that I was like, he make me a peanut butter sandwich. And then I just went back upstairs and it, it was the weirdest thing because after that I was like, I don't know is there a spiritual plane? I'm like, it, it, it kept my mind open to so many possibilities. I like to think it's like a radio frequency. The fact that right now, as I'm talking to you, there's a signal beaming from your laptop or your phone, whatever, up into the sky that you can't see. It's on a whole nother frequency. So I think our brains are like radio channels. Some people are tuned into a different frequency. And that it is. And I mean, that's why like when you do the work and you find that calm kind of like flow state of mind, you're able to tune into those frequencies that we normally would never even, we would never even imagine to be real. And it's, it's crazy how you had that dream. So when I was a little girl, I actually had a reoccurring series of dreams for about three nights straight. And uh, the first night I was at the base of a meadow and then the second night, I was a little bit more into the meadow. I was coming up to like uh, kind of like a clearing of trees. And third night, I was finally at the base of the mountain and there was a waterfall and there was a pond and there was a man standing there. And I ended up going to the man and I was talking to him and I, I can't remember exactly everything that he said, but I do remember small bits and pieces that he, what he told me in my dream and woke up. I remember I told my mom, she of course was like, Oh my God, you saw Jesus rushed me to like, uh, the Christian church that we were going to told the pastor. And he was like, Oh, you're blessed. You saw Jesus. And it just, it, it didn't actually, I don't know. Like it, I told him was feel like, like I don't, that was the answer. Yeah. And I told him that and he was like, no child, like you saw Jesus. And of course I was like maybe eight at the time. And so I just let it go, forgot about it. <clears throat> and then fast forward 10 years, I was about 18, 19, and I was living downtown, and uh, I was seeing a guy at the time, and he left town, he dropped off a book at my front door before he left, and opened up the book, started reading it, and on the fifth page was the guy from my dream, 
And it was the craziest experience I have ever had. I just remember throwing the book and like tears just gushed up in my eyes and my hair shot up. And I was like, oh my God. And it ended up being, um, it was, it's a man and his name is Adama and he's a part of the Lemurians and they are based in Mount Shasta. And uh, I actually finally got to go to Mount Shasta last year. And of course I was just dazzled by this small town. And it's actually one of the, I believe, one of the three of the most energetically charged places in the world. And I go, walk into town, I go into this little bookstore and I'm just fascinated taking everything in, soaking in every single moment that I can. And I start talking to the guy who's running the bookstore and I was like, yeah, so, you know, Mount Shasset kind of has some stories about it. Uh, have you ever experienced anything? And he's like, no, my parents actually, though, they moved here back in the 90s because they both had a series of reoccurring dreams. And actually, almost everybody in town has moved here because of these dreams. And I was and like, what? It's crazy because this is not this is not something that's new. It might be new to our culture, but it's not new to Chinese culture. It's not new to Native American culture. It's deeply woven into their cultures. And my cousin, he's lived with us probably for six months now. And he talks about it. He goes... In the six months, I have become a full believer into this because I've I've seen things and I've talked to your mom about stuff and you know the stuff that she's pointed out that you can do that I can't explain either and it's it it, it, it turned him into like a believer of this stuff and I'm like I didn't mean to mess you up, bro. I'm sorry. And he's like, <laughs> no. He goes, it's interesting to see because my cousin takes heavy like hallucinogenic drugs and mm-hmm. he he likes it because it gives him to this other perception of the world that's out there, another kind of realistic kind. Of puts down the barrier of the brain a little bit and he, he talks about it. he goes this is all something this is all this is all like everything you're explaining you're hitting it without taking that drug and i'm like i i i don't know what it is it's not something i can easily explain and even saying it to people you got to be kind of closed off because you don't want to be boarded up or thrown under or tied a rock to your feet and thrown into a river with the witch <laughs> trials or anything but it's like you have to be very careful with the way that you word these kind of these experiences because I mean a lot of time too I think it's just fear from everybody when they hear it because you know we've as a said we've seen so many movies where this is like it's it's viewed as like a it's viewed in horror movies primarily when people have these dreams, people have these experiences. So then when you talk about it in real life, people are just so scared and they're like, no, 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 you're crazy. And they just instantly cast you out rather than keeping an open mind just to hear it. Well, there's a, there's an actual, so he told me like I was playing a Joe Rogan podcast on my uh, phone. Uh, I listened to him heavily and he had Alex Jones on. Now everybody considers Alex Jones a conspiracy theorist. I don't think he's wrong in anything he says. I just think he has a really, really rough way of kind of coming across with it yeah like someone that's neil degrasse tyson's a better explainer than having someone like alex jones so i was listening to a podcast and my cousin goes stop it right there i said okay what and i paused it and he goes did you just hear what he just said and he go i go what 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 do you say it's background noise right now What, what do you mean he goes rewind it i replayed it and alex jones goes i remember having the same dream every single day when i was a kid and then three years later seeing that same dream occur where a woman drops a jar of pickles in front of me and something like this and explains it in this way i'm like he's like that's what you're you're he hits on the same basis for when you see these things listen to him so i started I spent that whole four hour podcast every 10 minutes, Alex Jones would go on a rant. I would write down what he said in the thing and I would look it up. All the government conspiracies he was talking about are actual government programs. They're on the CIA website for anyone to find out. And anything he was talking about when it comes to hallucinogenic drugs, this is why the Native Americans were really popular. And he started talking about how Native Americans are known to groupthink because they would get on the same frequency when they took these drugs together, peyote, DMT, these types of hallucinogens. If you do it in a group set, it gives everyone the same trip and the same experience. And everybody's mind is focused in. And when you are in that like flow state of mind, and you have a group, you have a collective doing it. I mean, the effects are going to be 20 times more powerful rather than if it was just one mind tuning in. And people say that's all like, a, oh, that's just that's just hogwash. I was like, but we've known to be a mind, a hive society. We've known to act like ants where we're all doing the same thing mindlessly on autopilot. Why do you think you can't go in the best aspect of it when everyone starts experiencing something that changes their life forever in one scenario. And I think a lot of it comes from conditioning. I mean, so it's like going back to healthcare. 
one thing that fascinated me was the fact that the American Medical Association, they were formed in the 1920s. And the only reason why they were formed was because they had a bunch of lobbyists behind them who were fluently flinging their money at them. And before that, we had a more naturopathic system set up. And what ended up happening was when the AMA ended up winning as the major form of like the new form of healthcare for the United States of America, naturopathic medicine ended up getting crucified. Like, schools were burned down, textbooks were destroyed. And then in the 1960s, you know, chiropractic became a big thing. And they ended up suing the American Medical Association for defamation because for so long, doctors were like, oh, chiropractors are devils. They're doing more harm than anything, blah, 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 blah. And they ended up going to court and chiropractors won that case, but people don't know that. And so when you go back, it's like, we have been we have been constantly conditioned and just like our mind has been fucked with and warped by, you know, the more powerful figures to kind of keep us all within this controllable group. Because if people understood the power that resides within them, oh boy, this world would be so different. So you want to know my theory on the government a little bit? Hmm. So the government's not the problem. It's people that our problem people we put our faith in something as red white and blue which is what the government's supposed to stand for but the problem is when you look at the government you're not talking about the government you're talking about people that are in the government the Mm -hmm. people that are running it you're putting faith in people and it's sadly the way we have adopted this human nature to not care about one another i call it adopted because this is not something that's inside of us all we all have something where we come together and race doesn't become a thing but the only time that's ever highlighted nowadays is when a school shooting happens or a certain um like terroristic attack happens where everyone can come together and drop the barriers of their problems and differences such as race and all these things and come together to help one another um so well, hold on. Really quickly. Oh, sorry. Go. Okay, go ahead. You have to see. Oh, uh, I was just going to say, look into the primal matrix. Uh, it is within everybody's core, yet it has just been completely kind of muted out from the way that we live our life. But look into the primal matrix, and it explains how, at the base, we all are still within the circle of life. Yeah, we all grew up knowing that if we used to hunt in packs, we could get bigger kills and bring back more food for the village. We learned how to do this. We all would hunt mammoths together instead of doing it separately. It was a more effective way of getting what we need out of it, which is like the primal nature of everybody kind of caring for their individuals. You only see this in small knit communities nowadays, but with overpopulation becoming a thing, it's easier to just say, oh, that's Jim, or that's just be able to say hi to someone rather than get to know the actual person. It loses the connectivity aspect. Now, when it comes to the government, there's always been two things the government has been super afraid of, and that's people and religion. So Mm -hmm. I've talked to people that are hardcore Christians that are major Trump supporters. So stick with me on this little kind of idea I have. Abraham Lincoln said it best, a house divided cannot stand. When the people tend to rise up against the government, the government tends to throw their attention somewhere else. Okay, this happened with PETA when uh, PETA was protesting the government during the time they were dealing with major war, kind of really shady stuff in Iraq. Um, And they ended up PETA ended up fighting to get animal crackers on the back or on the boxes taken out from behind bars. So now whenever you see animal crackers nowadays, you'll never see them behind bars anymore. They'll be just open on the box. That was a win because the government was like, if this is going to take your attention off what we're actually doing with our war efforts, we're going to give that to you. And they totally dropped all their research into what they were doing in Iraq. They, Peter was like, we fucking won. And they ran with it. And the government's like, okay, yeah, you want a small battle in a giant war here. And, um, yeah. The problem is where you see like vaping becoming a huge major thing in society today. It's not on the basis of, yeah, definitely probably has medical things going on with it, but that's like smoking a cigarette too. But I think they're obviously trying to apply your attention from somewhere. Trying to divert it away. Yeah, exactly. Which they know, see the people are easily separable because we're so at, Mm -hmm. at each other's throats nowadays. Now, the one thing it's never been able to at all test was religion because religion was always the most powerful thing. There was always two dominant religions. There was Christianity and Catholics. Okay. Now 
why everybody's pro Trump on those sides is because Trump's pro is getting out of immigration. He doesn't want that here. He wants to build up walls. And that's when you see the problem with immigration is it incorporates multiple religions into our country now, where now Christianity and being Catholic is not seen as the major religion anymore. Christianity, religion, all these things are now at its lowest point. It's so separated and so diverged into many different things. Even though they might believe on the same concept, now the government's starting to test religion, which is a scary fucking thing because that's one thing it's never been able to do. Mm-hmm. The you know Now the Vatican archives are now being documented a little bit slowly, but getting there onto government websites now. It's now becoming government-known information before it was only strictly the church. And then now you're seeing things as like churches are being torn down because the government wants to build something that's going to be more effective for the economy. That has never happened before. Now it's happening now and it's becoming more relevant. And this is why a lot of Christianity and hardcore religious people are pro-Trump because he's pro for keeping that minor religion out of there when they're not even minor or major religions. It's all just a concept of what someone believes in. But someone's a human construct. But it all then relates back to people. A, a person's belief is stronger than the government. A person's belief is stronger than something that's a system. And this is what scares the government. And I say this is where this world is in on we're built on a very, very shitty foundation. It's a fountain of lies. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it comes to this country with Christopher Columbus or whether it just comes to the aspect of we have an adopted characteristic about us that is not supposed to be here, that we've created and made the norm. It's 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 a lot, but it's it's my interpretation just from talking to so many people from around the world where we all hit on the same basis. The concept always leads into society. It, it, we all think the same. We're just afraid to address it. Yeah. And I think because for some reason, there's like this. There's like this an addictive quality to wanting to be like an individual, but and people don't want to accept the fact that we're all the same at at the base of our core. We're all just having a human, human experience at this point. And I mean, with, when it comes to the government and, you know, with the people and the things that they diverting attention, the media has this sick way of continuing to divide up the people because people are more easily controlled when they're not in huge clumps And the more division that we have, the more easily, you know, they're able to kind of decide and dictate how that individual acts. And it's pretty fascinating when you look into social connections and how those affect the human body and just the human in general. So there was actually a study done. um, I was watching a TED talk on it and it was, so if you have a friend who ended up becoming obese, your chance of becoming obese within the same time frame goes up by 57%. And that is purely based off the connection that you have with the other individual. So when you look at that on a broader scale of things, it's like how many other things are being, how many other things are manipulating you into, you know, doing certain things within your life or having certain ideas it's all, like I said, that's a big thing in psychology with environmental influences too. You know, if, uh, if you're around people that, you know, eat like crap and you're trying to eat healthy, it's difficult. It's, you mm-hmm. know, it's, it's hard, especially when they're eating pizza all the time, they're creating those senses and those urges around you that truly try to aspire into your head. And it's difficult to kind of overcome that type of stuff. But, you know, to really kind of wrap it here is like, we are strange people in a weird world. It's, <laughs> that your, we are. Your, your podcast is a, it's a name drop there, but still it's, it's something interesting because I definitely think there's so much information out there that we can never close ourselves off to just one final answer because that final answer turns out never to be the same answer. Exactly. It's always evolving. It's always, there's always going to be something that comes up that sheds either a new light on it or takes away from it and adds something new. Well, Anya, it's been awesome. To, I said it properly, right? You did. You did. You did. Gold star. Gold, gold star, star, Robbie. <laughs> thank God I got it at the end of the podcast. Oh, thank the gods. Thank the God. Thank the whatever Morgan Freeman. <laughs> thank you, sir. Thank you, Morgan Freeman. Uh, 
I know I did all my best. It's like, <laughs> I, I really, I really enjoyed talking to you and having this conversation. I want to get you and Greg on and I want to talk to you guys, especially if you guys ever need a guest or something for strange people, weird world, I'll be more than happy to be on there for you guys. Um, it's been awesome Heck talking yeah. to you. I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and also my constant banner on all these theories and ideas. It was good just being able to kind of release that a little bit too, because I feel like a lot of people try and steer clear from it. Yeah, thank you so much for, you know, providing and also engaging in such a amazing conversation with so many different topics that, like you said, a lot of people just try to steer clear of because either they're closed off to it or they're scared of it. And it just, it takes a few of us to continue to, you know, probe the envelope open on those topics where they come out and more people start talking about it. Well, I want to get the norm. I want to give you here a minute at the end to kind of promote your podcast. But before I do that, I want to say one quick thing. This is really a like telling you it's a strange people, weird world. But, you know, we try to make it our own enlightened lounge. Okay, Nightingale. (laughs) Uh, Well, you just did. You just summed it up perfectly right there. Uh, But, yeah, no, if you know, if you want to dive more into how strange and how just of a weird world we are into. That's exactly what Strange People Weird World does. We dive into the topics. The thing that I really appreciate about Greg is that he goes for topics that, you know, we can actually, we can actually prove. Of course, I'm a little bit more of like the, oh, aliens, ooh, weird stuff. Yes. I like putting into those topics, but I really appreciate the grounding effect that Greg has on it. Um, and it's nice because I get to balance it out now with my own very own podcast show, The Enlightened Lounge, where I, I mean, I'm just starting out with it, but I'm getting to dive into topics that truly resonate within me and just bring out my passions, which is health, wellness, and seeing people grow into their truest self and grow into these like badass light warriors going out there and shedding love and light into the world. You know, of course, still acknowledging their shadow self because you can't live a fully positive life with ignoring the negative life's all about balance yin and yang it's all in between well anya it is amazing having you on the podcast and i really appreciate you taking the time to do it yeah thank you so much i'm uh, i'm glad our schedule friendly you know balanced out sorry i'm always very busy with work and school and all that hey jazz. i can't blame you for life coming up trust me <laughs>